In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, Word of God, reveal more of yourself to us through your presence in the Bible. Led by the Holy Spirit, guide our time of reflection. May it increase our desire for you in the Scripture and in the Sacrament. Amen. We're down home on the range for our first reading at Mass this weekend. Taken from the book of Sirach, we're given three metaphors that relate to farm life. Each of these three metaphors are going to illustrate how what someone says comes from what someone thinks. The first image is that of a sieve, the second is of pottery, and then the third is of a tree. The first image describes how a sieve sorts out the good from the bad. Just as a sieve leaves behind worthless stuff, so too does our speech leave behind our faults when we speak. Second, when a piece of pottery is fired in a kiln, it brings out the imperfections. So too does speech reveal the imperfections of one's thought. And then thirdly, the fruit a tree puts forth depends upon the tree itself. So too does someone's speech, whether good or bad, derive from how he or she thinks. In all of this, the lesson is that we must wait to test a person by his or her speech before we praise that person, because speech reveals how one thinks. We've been hearing from St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians for many weeks now, and this weekend will be the final time we do that before Lent begins. At the beginning of our passage, St. Paul uses a metaphor which we've discussed before on this show. It's that of taking on new clothing. And this which is corruptible clothes itself with incorruptibility, and this which is mortal clothes itself with immortality, then the word that is written shall come about. Then St. Paul proceeds to quote two verses from the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 25 verse 8, and then Hosea chapter 13 verse 14. Let's look at each. The first verse he quotes is taken from Isaiah's vision of the mountain of the Lord of hosts. Originally, Isaiah said that on this mountain, the Lord God will swallow up death forever. But Paul, when quoting the verse, changes the wording a bit and instead says, death is swallowed up in victory. You'll notice right away that Paul adds the word victory here. And he actually does the same with the second verse he quotes as well. From the book of the prophet Hosea, this verse is quite different from the original as Hosea intended it. In the original story, Hosea is speaking for the Lord God as he summons plagues in the sting of Sheol to destroy Israel for its wicked sinfulness. Where are your plagues, O death? Where is your sting, Sheol? Yet what Paul quotes here is much different. Take a listen. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? How can Paul get away with changing the words so much? Well, it's possible that when the Hebrew text of Hosea was translated into Greek, in what we call the Septuagint, the translation drastically changed the meaning of the verses. If St. Paul was reading from this Greek version of Hosea, then that's what he's using when he's writing to the Corinthians. But it could also honestly be that St. Paul felt he could get away with some creative liberty here as he quoted this verse from Hosea. But after quoting these two verses, then St. Paul breaks into a joyful outburst that brings the entire chapter to its purpose. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. As the last thought about our second reading, you may remember two weekends ago when we heard from this same chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. There, St. Paul said, If Christ has not been raised, your faith is vain. He returns to that thought of faith being in vain when now, at the end of the chapter, he calls his audience to be firm and steadfast, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. We're continuing to progress through Jesus' Sermon on the Plain in our Gospel passage. 
It's helpful to know that when Jesus talks about two blind people falling into a pit, unmarked ditches and gorges were quite common at the time. Without code enforcement driving around issuing citations, many people just left wells and quarries without any fencing around them. And falling into a pit was a real concern if walking in unfamiliar territory. Now, there's an absurd contrast in the example Jesus gives about the brother who wants to remove the splinter from another's eye. While most of the time you'll hear me say on this show that a translation may not do justice to the actual Greek word, here we have an example where the words used in English really do capture the meaning well. The contrast is between a splinter and a wooden support beam. Jesus asks, How can you say, let me remove that splinter in your eye, when you do not even notice a wooden beam in your own eye? That the person has a wooden beam in his eye isn't really what's criticized here as the problem. Rather, what draws the criticism is the fact that he is unwilling to enter honest self-critique about his own faults, and instead concentrates on the fault of another. So that's it. That's your Sunday setup for this eighth Sunday in Ordinary Time in Year C. May this knowledge of the story behind the scripture allow you to encounter Jesus Christ in a new way this weekend. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.